Welcome to the Ask Brian Podcast Radio Show, where you'll hear from some of the most successful founders and CEOs of businesses and startups, sharing their best advice for success, and even some stories on how their mistakes actually make them even more successful. Now, here are your hosts, Brian and Tracy. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You're listening to the Ask Brian Radio Show on KTS 1220 and 98.1 FM. Well, every single week, although I should say we did take off for Thanksgiving last week. Uh-uh-uh. All right, we did take off, but we're back. And we're better than ever. But the Ask Brian Show has been on KHTS, first show pilot, December 2016. Wow. It's a long, long time in a galaxy far, far away. But (laughs) (laughs) I might have been taking somebody's uh, copyrights. I don't know about that. That's all right. I'll I'll talk to Tom later. All right. So (laughs) without any further ado, we want to tell people Ask Brian is on every week from 1 to 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And it's on AM, FM radio as well as podcasts. And what we try to do each week is try to help people learn something about business, anything from the internet stuff with Facebook and all that stuff to just getting real live and interesting business people, experts that'll teach you something about business. It's almost like a continuing education business class, every person out there. But everybody says, why is Brian spelled with an E? So we have, we have a person here who handles all that. Her name is Tracy. She's also my co-host and she handles why. <laughs> Why do we spell Brian with an E? Because she keeps on telling me, Peter, the only Brian I know is the O'Brien's Pub down the street. And, you know, it's great there on St. Patty's Day, but otherwise it's not that really busy. And Brian is spelled I-A-N or Y-A-N. Why, to, why in the world are we using E-N? So, Tracy, oh, why? Goodness. Why is that? Well, I might be a little rusty because it's been a couple weeks, but because <laughs> I was I'm I, grateful to say that I went on vacation and then had Thanksgiving, so I'm glad to be back. Well, we're going to get you a bottle of WD-40. That'll take care of all the rust. <laughs> You're so <laughs> funny. Not really. Um, okay, so let's start with our first E. And our first E is all about the engineer. Because we Oh, thanks, Tracy. This show would not be even remotely possible. So thanks, Jen. Of course. Thank you. Love all you do for us. That's exactly why it is remotely possible. (laughs) You would have to be in the studio. Very true. And even with an engineer, you still (laughs) would need that. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I missed how literal you are, you lawyer. Lawyer. (laughs) Lawyer, accountant, (laughs) tax person, what else? (laughs) Deposition-making conversationalist. So again, yes, thanks for making it remotely possible, literally and figuratively. And also, we wouldn't be able to do the show if it wasn't for our experts. And boy, we have such an amazing expert today. But I'll share with our listeners, you know, there's a lot of different ways to, I don't know, let's see, quantify expertise. And so probably a general rule is that you must have at least 10,000 hours in your field or our area of interest, and most of the experts that we have on the Ask Brian radio show have multiple, multiple more hours than just 10,000 hours, that's for sure. 
And then there's this little mathematical formula that we use to quantify it, and that is that we figure you work well, 40 hours a week, 50 or so weeks a year, over five years, then yeah, you're an expert. But we all know that if you are starting, running, growing a business, that the 40-hour-a-week qualifier, you blow right past that probably in like three years. So our experts are certainly qualified and overqualified, and we're so lucky to have them on the show. And that always leads us to a lot of enthusiasm about the quality of the experts we have on the show. Right, Peter? Excitement! I just just want to lie right now so bad and say, boy, I missed that when I was (laughs) (laughs) The poor microphones. And we didn't even warn the guest either. (laughs) Right? Exactly. I hope he's still here after all of this. So with that, we hope he has had some empathy to your enthusiasm and excitement. What is that? Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) Oh, Jen, 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 Jen. I remember that fondly. Yes. You missed the big T. <laughs> we didn't even have to define empathy on those shows. That's true. <laughs> well, let's not even go in that direction. This is a this is an adult friendly show, but. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm sure that makes you feel so uncomfortable. But we are equally yoked on this show today, so you got two for two. All right. Well, we can keep going on about the E, but we do have such a great guest that I'd love for us to bring him on. But before we do, I just, I don't want to not talk about what my favorite E is. Well, before we get to that, we are just going to mention very, very quickly, the backbone of our show is education and entrepreneurship. And so that's what we try to do. But without any further ado, and I don't know why that's such a great word, but it does have lots and lots of vowels. Tracy's one confident. <laughs> Tracy's favorite because she's a big Olivia Newton John fan and she loved loved that movie and play called Greece. And what did they say on Greece? Greece is electrifying and we are electrifying in our own brains. <laughs> I'm glad to say in our own brains. <laughs> yes, in our own mind. We're yeah, legends. Exactly. And by the way, we have another E. Ego. All right. So let's go back. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Frank, have you left the show? Are you uh, some, some truck stop somewhere in Mexico? What, what, what's going on? Oh, no. I'm listening to the show, and I am so glad that you've invited me to be on here today because I think this is the greatest show I've ever, ever had to be on. And I love the way you started it off. Well, Aaron, I mean, you, you, no matter, I know why you have such a big listener audience, because you entertain and make it fun to talk to people that are boring like myself. But <laughs> I will, I will try to uh, not be so boring and uh, answer your questions. And I did have a question about that E, but that was already answered. And, and I'll try not to be so introverted. I can tell you one thing that you do not get up every morning and go to work. You get up every morning and you go to your hobby. 
And that's what business is all about. You want a successful business? Make it your hobby because you're going to put in bigger than 40-hour weeks. You're going to take things that are a slap in the face, and you're going to take things that are from the grace of God. And all you're going to do is say, I'm having my hobby. So you don't say, I'm going to work. And I learned that very, very in my, in my youth. I was, I was taught by General Electric after college, and I won't give away my age because then you're going to probably turn to another station and listen to that. But I was taught by General Electric, and I did their apprentice program, and they taught me how to do business and how not to do business. And they didn't mean to tell me how not to do business, but I figured it out that that was the wrong way of doing business. I spent a couple of years in their apprentice program, and then I moved from that, and there was a company out of uh, Illinois that wanted to do a move of a company called the High Dynamic Company that made front-loader backhoes that had a contract for the Alaska pipeline from the United States federal government, and it was on a product that had to be made to be able to withstand minus 60 below zero weather. I knew nothing about that, but I applied for it. And of course, this is I'm my age now is back in the 70s. And I had long hair like we all did back then. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I still have long hair now, but I have to cut it out of my nose every once in a while. But <laughs> I'm, I'm on your he same sounds side. like me. Yeah. Frank and I are, are, are definitely twins. You're, yeah, you're friends now. You just bonded. Oh, Jim, I can't. I can't. We need another all-female show, Tracy. I'm going to give him a high five. High five. Okay. Well, good. There you go. There you go. All right. To just get past that, that was a big job. I learned from a master, a guy named Lee Nelson, God rest his soul, but the guy took me under his wing and was a mentor to me and taught me that you do business. If you can't do everything that you hire people to do, then you're not the right person. And you hire people to do it so that they learn to do it your way and their way and make the company grow. That company was Bosiris Theory. We built that program. I moved 179 boxcars. And people don't even know what a boxcar is now for the railroads because of containerization, which is another part of my life. But the other thing is they boxcars to Erie, Pennsylvania to build those in time to get government inspected and to save the Alaska pipeline from having to be delayed. I finished that, and they gave me a bunch of awards and things going on, but I wanted to be in the music business. So I spent from 19... 74 to 1979 in the music business. I have a lot of stories about that, but here's the thing about music business. It is one of the most best teachers. It is the college of being in business because everything is not vertically integrated whatsoever. It's all spread out and you have to deal with many, many different things. And I, I had a lot of Great acts. I, I managed 56 bands. I was not an entertainer. I was a producer. So when I got out of that, I left that company because I want to go back to the real world of business because music business is a little bit different. 
you know, <laughs> it's wild. But it was great to me, and I was hopefully great to, to them, but it got really out of hand, and I wanted to get back to real business. So I moved to Houston, Texas, from Erie, Pennsylvania. And people ask me then, why did we, why did you go to Houston? Well, it was a boom town at the time, 1980. And basically, uh, the winter of 77, 78, and 79 in Erie, I said, there's got to be a better place to go than this <laughs> 360 feet of snow every year. So I, I went down there and I got hired by a plastic company. Once again, I didn't know anything about plastics, but I knew how to run a business. And the business was run by a family. And that family wanted me to take them from $5 million in sales in plastics, which were bags and pond liners for the oil industry. And basically, um, they wanted me to take them to $25 million. So I used what I learned at GE, put together a group and ask them what the worst job they ever had, and you'll find out how to make a product to solve that problem of having the worst job in the world. And um, long story short, Tonight, when you turn on your television, and every night since 1983, you are going to see the product that came out of that meeting and got me to $30 million in sales for the company, which was family-owned, so I wasn't going to become president or anything else. I was not part of the family. And they paid me off my whole five-year contract when they got to $30 million. And when you turn on the TV tonight, you're going to see police line, do not cross. And what is that? What? It is, yeah. Wait, you're talking yeah. about the uh, the yellow tape? The yellow tape. Yellow tape that yeah. has probably 50 or 60 manufacturers, but we had a patent on it for 17 years that nobody Holy could make it. Holy cow, that's amazing. I'm glad you said cow, because any other word, Jen was going to hit the bzzz. I don't have that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> about as good as I can do right here. <laughs> hey. She knows I'm a professional. Yes. Professional. She trusts me. No I can't worries. say that about you. You don't trust me. But she trusts me. <laughs> well, I'm going to put a yellow tape over that one. <laughs> <laughs> so you you might want to say that I've been a startup guy. I started up in the music business. I didn't know how to do that. But if I had more time than this hour, I would explain to you how I got in the music business, which is a whole other story. But the other thing is when I did this for that great company and the great people at Reef Industries in Houston, Texas, it changed my life because now I took my first vacation ever. And wow. I'm there with my daughter and my son and by the pool in Houston, Texas, and I get a phone call from another guy that says, Frank, I know this inventor, he's got a patent for an air brake system. And I said, what's an air brake system? He <laughs> said, that's the way trucks stop. I said, they stop on air? I thought they stopped on tires, you know, and I knew nothing about it. And he said, just come and look at that patent and I know you'll, you'll smell it out if there's something wrong. And if it isn't, I'm going to buy the patent and start the company. So we went to Dallas. I mean, I'm two days into my only vacation I've ever had since I got out of college. All right. Well, that'll teach you. Um, Don't take a vacation. Yeah, yeah. But see, I'm always doing my hobby. So what else? It's a vacation. So the next thing is we go, we look at it, and it was, a, it was a better way to stop vehicles safer, and it didn't have a heavy coiled spring that was 2,000 pounds that killed people when they worked on it as a mechanic and so on and so forth. So once again, it was a humanitarian deal, and that product, we both started it, and I was glad I did it with him. 
it was a, another startup, and that startup we sold four times, and they kept me on the run at four times for 10 years. And at the end of that 10 year, not the end of the 10 years, but in that 10th year, another inventor came to me at, in, at ITI Industries, the International Transcript Industries in Houston, and said, uh, Mr. Sanzala, I've got a patent here to inflate tires as they go down the road for the trucking industry. As the no, truck is moving? As the truck is moving. It inflates? As, yes. Did not know. All right. So he had a stolen Sealand chassis. Sealand is now Maersk International from the steamship lines. But Sealand won. And I knew it was stolen because this guy was the, the truck driver, and he had it all jury rigged up. But I saw the plans, and I said to myself, this is the goose to lay the golden egg. Because if you can re- the number one cost after fuel to the trucking industry is tires. And nobody wants to put air in the tires. You've got 18 of them on a tractor trailer. And they go down the road at 60 miles an hour. And back in those days, a lot of them were biased tires, which were only rated to 40 miles an hour. That's why you saw the road alligators by the side of the road. We started that company with an investor out of Corpus Christi, another family investor that had a trucking company. And they had a lot of oil field in the interest and everything else. And I became the very first person because I, I took it to my board of directors, who uh, one of the guys on my board of directors, they were all millionaires. One of the guys on my board of directors was a guy named John Ryder, who started Ryder Rentals, Ryder Trucking, Ryder this, Ryder that out of Miami, Florida. It is exciting because I have been very lucky to run into some really great inventors with really great products, but the part of uh, marketing and sales and building manufacturing is not an easy job. I mean, it is a job, not a uh, easy one, but you can do it if you get the right amount of uh, backing and you get the right amount of employees that are, that become the total asset of the company. It's not whatever product you're trying to make, manufacture, or develop, or service. It's your employees that really make the company. And that's why I always tell people when they're starting up, whether it's a startup company or they're buying somebody else's company, you make sure that those employees have a smile on their face every day because of you, not because they have to, but because that's the way the company should run. So that's one of the keys to being successful. So in this, in this one where I went with the tire inflation, nobody inflated tires. I went to the biggest company, Roadway, who was turned into yellow, who is out of business now. But oh. over, over 30 years ago, I went to them and I showed them how you could inflate tires going down the road. And they were amazed. They said, oh, my gosh. They had a retreading plant and everything else that they could put out of business by buying this company product. It's called PSI, Pressure Systems International, pounds per square inch. And what we did is we took the air brake type of item and we took the air from that compressor and channeled it through the axles to the tires with a rotary connection that we patented with a brilliant, brilliant uh, engineer. So... Long story short, that company today, this month, on this very day, is 30 
years old from the paper, the paper that was signed to build that company and to hire me. I was there for 22 years and I built that company out throughout the world. It, it, and when it was the first time in 1990, the, well, the first product came out in 1994, that was the only tire inflation system in the world. And it stayed that way for many years. And today, it is still the number one in 65 countries, and it is number one with 65% of all the tire inflation, with many competitors going in and many competitors failing because they just didn't do it the right way. So that was very hard for me when I was offered the CEO and presidency of a Chinese company in California that made the chassis for the container boxes. You know, the big boxes that come in on the ships and bring all the things all the time to all the stores and so on and so forth. Well, we made the chassis, and that is actually CIMC. is the largest container box, chassis, trailer, and tractor manufacturer in the world. If you take second and third and fourth, add them up, they're still CIMC's larger. So I'm not going to go too much to that because I finished that as a eight years. They gave me contract for eight years to be their CEO and president. And in the eighth year, I was their chairman of the board of directors for North America, the vice chairman. So with that being said, on the 31st of December, 2022, I was saying to myself, what am I going to do now? You know, my time is up with CIE. My time is uh, still valuable because I want to get up every day and go to my hobby. And the hobby now is to solve the truck parking problem, which has been made out to be for every truck that parks properly somewhere safely in the United States, we need 12 more parking spaces. So there's 365,000 parking spaces plus in the country. And you times that by 12, you can do the math, and you're going to find out that that will take 9,600 parking lots that are just for trucks only and with 450 trucks and trailers in each one of them with amenities for the drivers, complete safety for the drivers, only for the drivers and the trucks so that they don't have to find a place to park. And they are now all electronically controlled by their log. So if they go over the log, they can lose their CDL, which is their license to do business. So whether they're for a big company like J.B. Hunt or Schneider or any of the ones that you all know or maybe are driving for themselves, basically uh, that is what we're going to do, and we are doing that right now. And the way you do it is you go out and you make a plan to make the best parking facility they can have and keep it only for the drivers. So with that being said, I'd like to take a, you know, a lot of the questions from anybody that out there wants to talk about that, but I, I have a few things that I can add if uh, we don't have any questions. So first of all, the question is, so you're talking about all these parking spaces for trucks, but this is just for trucks that are driving you know, overnight or going somewhere. This isn't for like delivery parking spots. We're talking about specifically the parking spots where the truck will stop for a break, correct? That's correct. They're limited in their driving time, so they have to finish up, and that log has to show that they had taken their hours off 
and then they start up and go somewhere else. Well, you go to a truck stop, and say they have areas for 80 to 100 trucks, no security whatsoever, but you park your truck there, the next 12 trucks that go by there can't find a parking spot. You know, So what we're trying to do is eliminate that void of parking, parking spots for the truck drivers. And eventually there'll be a hotel nearby on our same property maybe and be able to have that filled with 200 rooms 365 days a year. So anybody at Hilton out there that is listening to you right now, uh, that Hilton True is perfect for this position. So um, give me a call. You can go to our website, contradeholdings.com, and look about all of it. And uh, hopefully uh, this interview will be on, on there sometime next week or something if, uh, if, they, if they want to do that. So another question we had was, how are you different than the traditional truck stop, or is it exactly the same? Well, number one, we are completely secured from the, and in the area of, say, we use 15 acres for the truck parking. And then on one end of it, it has the showers, the uh, vending machines, the, uh, the three or four lounges for different things. If somebody want to watch sports, somebody want to watch movies, somebody want to watch something else, or just get out of the truck and relax there before they go back to their truck or go back to driving. We will have one way in, one way out. Nobody can get in there that isn't pre-registered. Now, the pre-register is exactly like a hotel, all right? But when you go to a hotel, you go on your phone, you have their app, and you say, okay, I need, a, I need four rooms or one room for four nights, and you get it, and you show up, and pretty soon they checked your credit card. And for major companies, they could buy 500 parking spots across the United States where they have the problem of finding parking for their drivers, and they will already be good. You know what that's going to do? That's going to allow women to get into driving Class 8 vehicles because they don't want to be out there without a safe parking place. They will have a safe parking place with safe facilities and the right way to treat these kings of the road, really. The kings of the road are our truck drivers that deliver stuff to us every day. And when that product shows up at our our Walmart or even to Amazon or somebody else, it gets to us when we need it. Why? And, and that's what we're looking for. Good delivery, rested drivers, safe drivers, there's a driver almost killed every day in our industry, and it doesn't take the front front news on on any television station or anything else, but it happens. And I'm not making this up. There's people that have followed this, and they know. That's how we know there's 12 parking spaces needed for every truck that parks properly. And I bet you if you go out to work somewhere in California right now and you drive out, you're going to see a truck parked on an exit ramp, or you're going to see trucks parked on all the ramps into a, a truck, not stop, but a, a public um, rest stop. We're so much different. We have AI from companies that are absolutely great at doing this so that if you bring your truck in, it number one, it reads your license plate and it says, okay, this is truck license plate and here's your trailer license plate. If you have to drop that trailer there and leave it for a couple of days, 
okay, and then come back to pick it up, nobody else can move that trailer because it doesn't match your previously brought in truck license plate. So basically, we're doing everything we can to make the truck driver's life better, safer. And guess what? $250,000 can be one of these big diesel truck engines, part the, the one in the front. And then the trailer back there, if it's a reefer trailer, you're talking sixty-five to $80,000 to $80,000 for a reefer trailer. And then if it's filled with Thanksgiving Day turkeys in there, that could be a $2 million cargo. And a guy gets shot on a country road and his truck, trailer, and it's turkeys are gone. That is what we're going to prevent happening as long as we can get those 12 parking spaces needed. And those 12 parking spaces are over 4 million when you add it up with the truck drivers that are out on their, out on the road right now. So what percentage of the parking spaces does your company currently have? Is it 1% or? Well, when we get to our hundredth parking lot, we will be doing 24% of the problem. So I want to, anybody out there that wants to talk to me or, or go to our website and, and give me a, an email address or something, I want you to be a competitor. If you want to do the same thing we're doing, we need, number one, to make this safer for the truck driver. And number two, we need to get it done not in 10 years' time. And it can't be done to where it's open to everybody to use that parking facility because that is not what we want. We want it truck drivers only and making it exactly what the name of the, the our parking lots are all named, all set, all set truck parking. Because when you go to a hotel and they hand you your key, what do they say, Peter? <laughs> what do they say? You're all set for the night. Or here's your room. Hilton, did you yeah. register for your Hilton okay. Honors? <laughs> so, and that's, a, that's where I came up with that. I said, my gosh, you know, you're all set. If you get that reservation, you're all set for the night. You're all set for your, your safety. You're all set for your cargo safety. And you don't have anybody trying to come up to you like they do in truck stops to say, hey, your light is broken in the back. I'll fix it for $75. And then you look around and say, it's not broken. The next day, it, it hits with a hammer, and a different guy comes up and says, oh, I can fix that light for you before you get a ticket out on the road for being out there without your, your turning signal. Bam. And that happens all the time. And plus, drug dealers, I'm just bringing this out because this is what I found out by doing interviews with truck drivers at different truck stops all over the country. Drug dealers, people that want to rip you off some other way, and what they call the the lot lizards, uh, but the, the old prostitution, um, oldest profession, I guess, in the world, but it's still <laughs> rampant at these places. And the truck drivers don't want that. They want to go in and have their, their cup of coffee or their soda and their sandwich or whatever meal they have, pick up a couple of trinkets or whatever, or snacks, and go back to their truck and right. be able to be not accosted. All right. So, Frank, what is just, I'm very rarely speechless, and this whole interview has been so fascinating that I've just been sitting and listening and really taking in everything that you're saying. So I know if I felt that way, our listeners have definitely felt that way. So what is the best way for them to continue this conversation with you if they want to get more insights or information or just 
can just chat with you about all of your amazing journeys? Well, we have a wonderful website that uh, was created in California by a guy named Isaac Rao and his team. And uh, I want to say that the name of the website is con, D-O-N, trade, T-R-A-D-E, one word, con, trade, holdings, H-O-L-D-I-N-G-S, dot com. And Contrade Holdings is the holding company that takes care of all the land purchases. It takes care of all the AI purchases. It takes care of all the things that we're doing. And I will tell you that we have everything on that website that you need to know about. And hopefully we'll have the show on that website at some point in time because we do have a media section. And uh, we do have a few other radio shows that are in that media section, but this one here is the only entertaining one. Okay, the other ones ones are the other ones are good, but I'll tell you what, this is the only entertaining one because I really like the way you handle your show. I really like the way you you brought it apart, and it is different than I have been on in my entire lifetime as far as a show that wasn't designed to be as entertaining as you have it designed. So kudos to that to you guys. Uh, well, don't just don't inflate that ego up here. But thank you so much for saying that. And guess what? You are going to be able to put this on your website because we will be releasing this interview as a podcast episode, and that is the Ask Brian podcast. And of course, it's A S K B R I E N, the Ask Brian podcast. Wherever you listen to podcasts on your favorite listening platform, and soon to be on the website as well for on the media page to be the best radio show on your website in the media section. So, yay us. All right. All right. Great. (laughs) Well, thank you very much. Unfortunately, we've gone over today. So thank you very much, Frank. We really appreciate it. We'll have you on another time. But thank you very much. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. I've had a great time. And I really would like to come back on and talk to you about the music industry in the 70s. Well, we're going to be doing that. I want to talk about that, too. Well, he's going to come right. on with probably with Led Zeppelin and Queen. But anyway. With Robert Plant. Okay, we'll bring Robert <laughs> Plant on. You got the old pal. All right. And, of course, Elton right. John. Anyway, you're listening to the Ask Brian Radio Show, KHS 1220, 98.1 FM. Over and out. Thank you for tuning in to the Ask Brian Radio Show. You can listen to us every Thursday on KTHS AM 1220 and FM 98.1 or via Facebook Live or anytime wherever you listen to your podcasts. Visit askbrian.com to join the conversation and ask us your business questions and we'll answer them on our next episode. That's askbrien.com.